had to go down the stairs and let some people in. And sure enough, that was the one moment my name was called and I was all alone in, in the apartment. But no, that's, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, oh no. So I, you know, a bunch of friends came upstairs and I was like, so any news? I was like, yeah, yeah, you guys missed it. <laughs> Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not-so-average runners. And they're off. What's going on? I have no idea. As usual. (laughs) Good start. (laughs) Tell me, what's going on, Gotta Run Racing? Are we run the North virtual, uh, celebrating Canada's... National Parks is going strong, and we got lots of people out there across the country that are running 10K. Next Hiking, biking, yep. Yep. <laughs> what park did you feature this month? So for March, it is Grasslands in Saskatchewan. Oh, that's right. Sunny Saskatchewan. The Grasslands. And it's not as flat as one might think. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And then the Monarch Relay is going strong as well. We're still looking for runners to take on 30K or 50K segments in Ontario uh, starting September 19th, ending October the 9th. We're going from Peterborough uh, down towards Toronto along the lakes and then up back towards Barrie. It's 1,700 kilometers. Doesn't it go all the way to London first? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I said along the lakes, including Erie. Oh my god, that's far. It is far. Seventeen hundred K within god. Ontario. Oof. So if you're interested, <laughs> check it out because it's a relay. It's gonna be COVID safe and friendly. It's gonna be awesome. And then the virtual for the monarch we'll talk about next time because we that's coming up soon too. Wow, this is incredible. So where can you send it for all this? <laughs> you can check us out on Race Roster by looking up We Run the North and the Monarch Ultra. Or you can find links via gotterunracing.com. Cool. So on today's podcast, we have... Riccardo Tortini from Italy. And again, we came across his name because of the... Western States. Canadian Trail to Western States. Western States. (laughs) He finally got in after seven years, six years, don't know yet. Six years, I think so. And he lives in Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah. And he is a third generation ultra runner. Who can say that? Woo! Could you imagine your parents running ultras? One thing. Then my grandparent also was an ultra runner. Whoa! His parents still run too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we can't wait to find out about that. All right. All that coming up. Buongiorno, Ricardo. Come stai? Benissimo, grazie. <laughs> 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 we love Italy, so I had to throw a little bit of that in. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. You're, and you're... Just right. That's where I'm originally from. That's right. Which part? Uh, near Milan, uh, okay. northern Italy. Yeah, just south of Milan. A short drive. It's probably 35, 40 kilometers. And when did you move away? Um, I moved to North America in 2011, so 10 years ago. I started my PhD in the States and lived in the U.S. for four and a half years or so. And 2015, moved to Vancouver. I had a little bit of time back in the States for work a couple of years ago, and I'm back permanently now. Yeah, very nice. But you left such a beautiful part of Italy, and we're the, not far from the mountains. 
it, it's true, and I took advantage for that with UTMB a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, having family and friends in the area had a huge support. It's it's always wonderful to go back, but I'm glad I'm living where I'm living now. Yeah, I really yeah. love it here. Yeah, yeah. How is how is your family in Italy with all COVID going on? How are they doing? They're doing, they're doing fine. Uh, it was a bit stressful, especially at the beginning. Uh, coincidentally, actually, the the first outbreak uh, everyone has talked about back over a year ago now, February 2020, uh, happened in the hospital I was born in, and my parents still live in the area, so it's literally a five minute drive from uh, the first case in uh, in Europe. Wow. Uh, so yeah, they were in full on lockdown for a little while, I'd say. Uh, summer was much better. Uh, they had the chance to travel, go to their cabin and that type of things. They're back up north now. They're, you know, they're doing the best, but, uh, they're still isolated. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, let's talk about something positive. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you start be, or how did you become a runner? Um, well, it was easy enough for me. I, I come from a family of runners. Uh, it dates back to two generations ago, actually. My grandfather, uh, both my parents and my grandfather, uh, they all have run and still run ultra marathons. Uh, unfortunately, not my granddad. Uh, he passed a few years ago, but, uh, so I was always exposed to it, but every, <laughs> You know, as every good Italian boy, I was initiated to soccer to start with. And I played <laughs> soccer for 15 or 17 years, something like that. But then over the summer, you know, in the off season, I was always like, oh, my parents are going for a run. I may join them on a Sunday morning or so. Kind of like stay in decent shape for soccer season. Yeah. Until I did not go back to playing soccer anymore. And I became a runner full time in a way. That was... uh 2006, if I remember well. So yeah, 15 years ago, and always exposed to both road and trails mm -hmm. and short and long distance. So it was a good and a healthy variety of distances and terrains for sure. Wow. So what races did your grandfather do? Were there was there a lot of races back then? Not a ton, and and especially thinking of the 70s, uh, back almost 50 years ago, uh, you know, whoever ran those distances, and we're not even talking about marathons, 100k or longer as well, was always seen as a bit odd in a way, in in a, in a good way, but like, well, why why would you want to run that far? And it's still happening 50 years later, so uh, can you can only imagine, right, in the 70s. Uh, there's a race, uh, both my parents and my granddad did, um, starting in the 70s, and then my mom joined later on. Uh, it's called Cento Chilometri del Passatore. It goes from Florence across the Apennines to the other side near Bologna. Right. And, uh, yeah, they're still doing it year after year. Eventually, I'll, I'll jump in and, and run that one as well. It's a road race, though, I have to say. Yeah. It's a big climb to start with from Florence up to the pass. And there's a big descent down, and uh, the last 20 kilometers or so are completely flat, which is, uh, oh. I don't know, it's not very enticing. <laughs> it's funny how, after all these years, we still get that same question. Why would you want to run that far? Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> I don't want to drive that far. Why would you run that far? <laughs> That's a classic. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So it's in your blood, we could say. Yeah, I think so. I do think so. And uh, to a point that even my brother, my brother was a much better soccer player always, <laughs> year after year. It was always a better one. Uh, but eventually, you know, we, with age and such, he hasn't been playing for quite a few years. And uh, just 
few years ago, I started running and half marathon, marathon, 50K distance. Um, yeah, really proud of that too. That's great. Wow. So how did Western states factor into your, uh, your running career? Because you seem pretty dedicated from what we've done on our research about you getting there. It, we all are, right? It's, obviously, moving to North America, the upper Michigan, the upper peninsula of Michigan, Michigan Tech is where I did my PhD. I was immersed in nature uh, to the point that I used to live five minutes from a trailhead. It was uh, some of the best key trails in uh, in North America, I should say. And, but of course, over the summer, they become running and mountain biking trails. Um, so I was always, I had access to that type of activity. And I made the switch from a more road. And I, I ran track for a couple of years as well in my early 20s. But uh was never that fast, to be honest. And, um, so uh, that, that, that I made the switch around that time of running less road and switching to off-roading and longer distances. And it was, it was my, it, it kept me sane during my PhD as well, right? You're doing research all day, day after day. Um, you're immersed in, in what you're doing for work. Uh, I needed an outlet uh, and not just something to, you know, to move, but some other goals outside of work. Right. And uh, just started running trails. I actually I had run. I started running trail races in the year before I moved to uh, North America to Michigan. But yeah, started running more consistently on trails around 2011, 2012, and then 2013 I ran my first ultra. Um, always in the Upper Midwest in Minnesota. Didn't didn't well, didn't go great, but it was good enough. Uh, it was, it's also a funny story, I think, because, uh, I was training for a road marathon. I ran the road marathon, did fine, but I wasn't really happy with my result. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's a race series, uh, happening the weekend after the 4th of July in, in Copper Harbor, Michigan on Lake Superior. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had run it the year before and a friend came and ran that year and we were talking about how disappointing my marathon was. Like, well, why don't you sign up for a 50k next week? And I'm like, hmm, <laughs> why not? And, and, and that's how, how it started, really. And then from there, uh, you know, goal after goal after goal, starting 2014, I ran my first 100 miler with the ultimate goal to, to qualify for Western States and eventually, yeah, get in and, and run the race. It was with a bunch of friends from Wisconsin. It was one of the races I have the most fond memories. Uh, obviously, First hundred miler, so um, right. who can forget that type of experience? <laughs> but uh, yeah, starting in 2014, year after year, uh, I got my qualifier, even on bad years in a way, meaning like injuries or struggling with with training and that that type of things. But it was always the goal for the season to punch my ticket for Western States. So, um, well, eventually I got in and. Uh, have to wait until 2022 now. <laughs> That's right. What is your PhD in? What did you study? Uh, geological engineering. Okay. I have an engineering background. I work in uh, remote sensing, satellite images, that type of things. Oh, Applied okay. to earth science. Right. Very interesting. So your first ticket race was the Panati? Pinhotti 100, yeah, down in Alabama. Also, uh, a little bit of a background there uh, with all these friends, we ran the race series in the summer. We got together again in, somewhere in Minnesota for a time event, an eight hours race on a 10K trail loop 
And on that day, we decided that, I think if I remember well, it was, uh, must have been October or so. So relatively cold. Uh, but we decided we needed to go somewhere warm and we ended up landing on, uh, uh, Pinhori. The other option would have been Havelina, mm-hmm. uh, last weekend to qualify, right? Um, right. we decided not to go Alabama instead, which was quite the experience. <laughs> It, it's a very well organized race, very well participated by the locals. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprisingly so in a way, but obviously you can't expect too much topography down there, right? Mm. So, um, quite flat. Panadi, is that high altitude? No, no, not at all. There's, there's one, they call it mountain, Chiha mountain. Uh, it's more like a hill. It's, <laughs> it's a glorified mountain, but it's the highest point in the state. So it makes sense. Oh. And uh that is the biggest climb of the day. Uh that's about it. So lots yeah. of hills. Lots of hills. It's never completely flat. It's always too uh it's always slanted in a way. But right. um yeah, no no major topography for sure. First you did not get into Western States on your first ticket. And then you had to find another race, right? And yeah. what was that uh, race? Um, <laughs> So by that time, I was, uh, I knew I was going to move to Vancouver. I, um, I already accepted a, um, postdoc at UBC. And, um, so I looked up races in the areas and, oh, fat dog. Interesting. Hey. <laughs> I've read, I've ran a hundred miles before once. I, I might as well pull the trigger on 120, right? Um, so yeah, that was my second hundred mile or hundred plus. Uh, fantastic experience. It was, it poured on us and stormed all, yeah, day, night, and the next day, which is incredible, uh, for being middle of August. But, um, it was, it was a great, great experience, seriously. Um, it, that's one of the races I've been back, not to run myself, but to pace and volunteer, pace friend. Uh, crew as well and volunteer at the race. It's, um, it's some of the best trails you can find around here for the type of trails I like. They're right. all runnable trails, lots of ups and downs, long sustained climbs, mm-hmm. uh, but never overly technical, which is my bread and butter. Were you happy with your time at Fat Dog? Cause it, I can't remember exactly, but it was, it looked impressive to me. <laughs> You know, I knew I knew it was gonna take over twenty four hours, but I had no idea it would have been twenty six, thirty, thirty six, mm. or even forty eight. Who knows, really? Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I was definitely happy with it. I went a smart race. I started off really, really slow and kind of like kept that same type of effort throughout the day and the night and the next morning. Kind of like always one foot in front of the other. Just keep moving, keep moving. Don't. You know, don't think how far ahead, you know, mm. the next person is or, you know, that kind of thing. It's just run your race. Um, yeah, definitely happy with it. But, uh, <laughs> I also realized the next year I went and faced my good friend, John, um, John Burton. And, uh, when we were on the last final climb, there was seven falls summit. Mm-hmm. I had no recollection of what the terrain would look like and, and what the scenery was. My, I just went blank and, Probably my brain just decided that it was time to shut down and uh, and just kept moving and how that that's probably how I get it done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's the uh, how much time you allowed there? What's the cutoff there? 
Um, I do believe it's 36? I'm not entirely sure, though. Oh, it must be, no, it's probably more than that, actually, because it starts on a Friday. It might be, might be actually 48. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, it must be 48. I remember I started at, eight, at, at 10 in the morning, which is a very civilized start time. Wow. Is that ever? That means, oh, yeah, uh, but that's it. Mostly because it takes so long to finish, right? so it doesn't really matter. If you start early in the morning, um, but the first climb up the Red Mountain and then at the top as well—that's the highest point of the race. And you're, you're quite high up there. Um, it was still sunny and muggy before the storm rolled in, and I do remember I did not like that part. Mm. It's just ooh, it's middle of the day, it's so warm. I, I felt almost dizzy in a way. Um, but other than that, as soon as the storm rolled in and started cooling off, it was pleasant in a somewhat unpleasant way. <laughs> Would you rather climb or are you prefer downhills? I think I prefer the downhills. Yeah. Uh, I've tried and tried and tried through the years to become a better climber. Mm-hmm. I'm just not as strong as others. Then, on the other hand, uh, the downhill really smokes your legs. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we may we may talk more about that about UTMB and such, but uh, right. that was the main struggle. Right. Okay. And elevation doesn't affect you, I imagine. Not too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say not too much. Obviously, you have to adjust your your um, approach to that section of the race. You can't really go all out. If if you you know do your due diligence, know yourself, and um, you know knowing what part of a of a course or a, of a race may affect myself and thinking in terms of elevation uh that helps a lot you know you you turn the heat down like a notch or two for those 10 or 15 kilometers and uh, um you're seeing energy for later so after that um you put your ticket back into western and now you have 20 percent chance of getting in now (laughs) right probably probably less than probably less than that yeah not getting in again palm to palm was uh 2016. 2016 for <laughs> yeah. Pine to Palm. It's not too far. It's in southern Oregon. Mm. And you actually, as part of the race on the course, you actually cross into California and then back into Oregon as well. Okay. So it starts on west of uh, Ashland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. It's Ashland is on I-5, basically, to go down to California. And... Uh, and you find your way back into Ashland, uh, going through California, back into Oregon. It's a well-organized event. It's a, I love the course. A lot of friends warn me. It's like, oh, it's a lot of forest, but fire roads or service roads, mm. uh, easy footing. And that is, but that's exactly what I like to run on. So, uh, soft, but easy. Um, there are a couple of climbs that are fairly technical, especially later in the, in the race. And one of them was the last big climb, uh, lots of rocks, and uh, you had to go through through a boulder field. Uh, bit of a struggle at night to find mm. your way, find the flags and ribbons. But uh, other than that, the most ninety percent of the race is completely runnable. Really hot that year, uh, to the point that my kidneys failed on me with wow. only. Oh, I was yeah, I was I was racing. I was really racing hard that year, uh, that race. And uh, and I was with my good friend and coach, Scott, uh, pacing me for the last 
25 miles or so from the highest point of the race to the finish. At a certain point, I just couldn't run anymore. I just didn't have anything in me anymore. So uh started jogging and walking until I I had to stop and um and pee and realized that it was pitch black. Yeah. Not just because it was at night, wow. but because yeah, my, my kidneys weren't processing anything anymore. And and uh and obviously muscle destruction as well. Um so everything was going straight down. And at that point I had eight miles left. I was still in a pretty good spot. I had two options, either to walk back up the hill to the A station and drop, or walk downhill eight <laughs> miles to the finish line. So uh, that was an easy decision. But at that point, it was really just on water and as much water as possible, um, just to just, you know avoid further damage, really. That's um, scary. Unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to enjoy a beer after the race, but uh, <laughs> it was... So you didn't get in again. Are, are you at this point in time? Are you getting kind of, uh, what's going on here? This is kind of bullshit, you know, like I'm putting in some races here. Are you feeling discouraged? discouraged? No. Well, to, to be perfectly fair, the first, I think the first two years, I was so naive to think that, oh, maybe I'm getting lucky today and I'll hear my name in the lottery and, uh, but then starting from year three and four, I was like, you know, I, this was somewhat expected. I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, it's going to happen eventually. I just don't know when. Just accept the fact that, yeah, we, we really have no control on, on when we will be able to run the race. And whenever that day comes, well, do the, you know, make the most of it. And then that's when you started doing the canyons for strategic reasons to finally get to know this course, right? Have you ever done the that's, beginning that's of the right. course? I've run part of it. I actually I've run up to the to the high uh to the high country a couple of times uh as part of like the day before the race or so when you're going for your long run and uh, you know take advantage of of the place really. Uh so yeah, starting at the start and going yeah going up the escarpment um you know little out and backs that type of things. Uh, one year I had plans to run to Robinson, but uh we couldn't really make it out there so it's it's fine it would have been a logistical nightmare so i decided not to so i do not know uh on paper i do not know 40 kilometers or a quarter of the course or i've never really really set foot on which i'm okay with it's um you know enjoy the unknown as well i definitely did my due diligence on the rest of the course when you when you did the canyons the canyons, right? That was the race at the canyon? Yeah. Yep. Three times. Yep. Was it three different results or is pretty much close to what you're thinking? In terms in terms of uh, uh one I, one year was harder than another or I well the first year was mostly to to really enjoy myself and, and, and study the course. And uh, I just I found myself running with Bob Shivers most of the, of the race, all the way down to almost Cal three. Then he took off and I kind of like crumbled a bit, but, uh, great experience as well. And, and it's always best when you have company, right? You know, you make friends and such and it's still a really good friend. Um, so really happy with my results that year. Uh, I had no idea about time really. Like I go out there and do my best and whatever time I clock, that's fine. Um, then the next year, of course I knew. 
it was it was a warm year. The first year I went was was quite warm, mm-hmm. uh, but I did okay, I think, in the heat. And it's obviously it's end of April versus end of June is a huge difference. So yeah, it's hot, but we're still talking about in the canyons probably 35 degrees or so. It's still manageable. Uh, it's not the 50 degrees we hear about. I definitely took advantage of the water and all the streams and the creeks in the canyons, which is something I would recommend anyone to do on race day, uh, regardless of how hot it is. Just take 30 seconds for yourself, mm-hmm. put yourself in the water and, and, and cool off. It goes a long way. Um, then the next year, uh, well, obviously I had the reference time. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't like to use placement as as a reference because it really depends on who shows up on on that specific day but i did have a reference in terms of time for myself so the goal was to do better than than the year before which i did uh barely but but still better uh on a cooler year so i was a bit disappointed i like not to brag or anything but i had the lead up until the last uh a station and uh and the guy who was chasing me down all day passed me at like twice the speed at that <sighs> point so i did try to keep up for oh. like probably no more than 30 seconds and i just i will it was, it was a mess <laughs> wow but i still did better than the year before the race the race that i did that was on the course western states course was rio de largo oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was that's the Part of it is on the course. Yeah, and that's the absolute last race, I think, of the qualifying season. So when I did that, I think so. It's, it's, it was at the time, anyway. It yeah. seems right, yeah. Yeah, it, it's November 8th or something, which is, and the cutoff was November 10th or something. Yeah, something something like that. It's Rio de Lago, Javelina, and Pinhori probably on the last weekend. Yeah, that's it. Right? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Uh, so yeah, you're, so you're familiar with the, at least the final. Part. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm familiar with um, No Hands Bridge. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Which has now hands, actually. There's, there's a barrier there. <laughs> there used to be no barrier. Right. Now there's a barrier. So. So then, your third year at the canyons. Now you've had different experience. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking of 2017 now. Went back. Yeah, canyons. And then, uh, what did I run in 2017? Oh, 2017, actually, I was training for something. I didn't really have a core race, uh, in, in mind, but I had my qualifier for Western States. Um, I still had, is that right? No, 15, 17. I was considering running a hard rock qualifier, mm-hmm. uh, that year because my fat dog qualifier expired mm-hmm. on 2016. It, it lasted two years. Um, but I was, I was also considering going back to find a farm, to be honest. So anyways, I was, I was training and running down a trail. There's a family with a boy. The boy cuts in front of me and to avoid him, I take a spill and, uh, tear my meniscus. Oh. So I had to take instead the rest of the season off, which is fine, I guess. <laughs> it's just, it's just fine. <laughs> I, I would buy myself a, 224 beer just (laughs) drown your sorrow sorrow. hey guys if you like what you're hearing so far give us a like and follow our social media facebook instagram youtube you can find all that at gotta runracing.com 
and follow the Ultra Norm and Shark Runner 17 on Instagram for exciting behind the scenes stuff. Like, guess what? They're married to each other. Wild, right? Now, back to the show. I may have done that while in denial, like on the yeah, during week one, probably. <laughs> but other than that, I don't, I don't know. The, the more, the more it happens, the more one is willing to accept what, what life throws at you, right? So, that's okay. I had my qualifier. I was, I was obviously bummed, but it's, it's all right. Um, so I started making plans for 2018 and I'm like, hmm, you know what? I have enough points for UTMB instead. Um, putting for, yeah, putting for UTMB in 2018 and well, didn't get in the, uh, the lottery, but, um, at the time I used to, um, collaborate with, uh, trail running magazine in Italy mm-hmm. and they were more than happy to share their bid with me and write about my experience. So that's wow. how I got into UTMB. Yeah. Somewhat sponsored by the magazine, basically. Awesome. Uh, which was really cool. It was a great experience. I had to, you know, go and buy all the forerunners and, uh, you know, all the elites at before and after and during. It was, it was fantastic. It's a bit daunting in a way because one would like to just have some time for him or herself. But all in all, a fantastic experience. I had my family. Uh, my mom came with oh, me. Wow. She was on the course crewing. My brother wow. and a friend flew down from London. My partner was there too. It was, it was, it was awesome. It was, uh, it was a great, great experience, really. And lots of friends from Italy, obviously, right. uh, from the magazine and finding friends. It was really, really cool. What did you take away from UTMB in terms of adjusting training or impact you? Less fast running, especially after canyons. Uh, lots of time hiking mm. and shuffling and, and kind of like, uh, using a more measured approach rather than intensity. Like obviously focusing on volume for the most part. Uh, long days in the mountains, back to back to back. The yeah. final weekend and the final training week was so, uh, taxing on, on my body, really. And I do believe maybe I crossed that line, which I shouldn't have, but in hindsight, everything is easier. Um, it was a really big week. Three, uh, starting on the Thursday, actually, I think I had four long runs in three days and I totaled something like 120 miles over three days, something yeah. like that. A bit too much. So I do believe part of the fatigue that I had experienced three weeks later at UTMB, obviously travels, obviously it's a factor you have to consider as well. Sure. And stress of, you know, seeing family and spending time <laughs> with friends because obviously it's a unique opportunity. You want to do that. So yeah. it's more of a vacation now than just going to race. It's right? a vacation, yeah. yeah. But I do think in the later stages of the race, that fatigue that kicked in was in part due to a de- some degree of overtraining. I don't like to use the word overtraining syndrome or such. There's no, it's just un- underresting in a way. <laughs> so I did too much in too short of a time, but it went, it went fine. It went okay. So, um, nothing to complain there really. Um, it was a, another great experience. When you were running down the chute, were you uh, carrying the Italian flag? <laughs> no, no, not really. Um, <laughs> I was registered as Italian, yeah, and I'm, I'm not a native citizen yet, but, um, uh, no, 
Uh, short answer is no, but I was I was definitely proud of all my Italian friends being out there supporting me. That's for sure. That's awesome. I got a question about the UTMB and Fat Dog just quickly because uh, your time for both was generally the same, about twenty eight hours and change. So I'm curious to know. What's the similarity between the two? Are they both equally hard, or one was just a better year than the other? Or if you can compare the two? You know, it's something I give some thought, because almost to the minute, actually it is to the minute, I think, the same time, hmm. uh, which is bizarre, right? It's <laughs> um, obviously hard races. I'm not going to lie. They're both difficult races, but in different ways. I do think... I want to believe that I could do better at both, but uh, especially UTMB. Uh, I finished UT. I, I entered UTMB knowing that I was gonna get it done. I was healthy. I felt good. I had a good training block. Well, actually, the whole process approaching UTMB went very well. Uh, I knew I was gonna finish unless something unexpected happened. Right. It didn't. So uh, that was the expected outcome. And, and again, not to sound too cocky, but uh, I, I felt confident going in. The problem was, how do I tackle this race? Because mm-hmm. I have no idea what's lying ahead of me. I know it's steep. I know there's lots of vertical <laughs> and, you know, elevation gain and, and, and drop, but I really don't know what's expecting me, right? So I was overly cautious at UTMB, which served me well, because in the end, I really only struggled at the very end. It was, uh, like barely so the last 20 kilometers or so I knew well maybe maybe a little before then but um I took my time at a stations I took a good like half hour at Rumayur you know at the end of the night I was there before sunrise and like well you know what I want to enjoy the sunrise from top of the mountain so I might as well waste 10 more minutes and be here with my family stay warm slow have some food I really didn't have any, neither time nor place goals. It was like, it's going to get done. I want to be happy with the outcome. Uh, but now thinking back and knowing what would expect me, then I would probably tweak my strategy a little bit. And, and I do believe there's more potential in improving that time than, than rather than fat dog. But it, it's the best way to approach a monumental race like that going in. Because if you put the expectations on yourself, You'll be disappointed even if you didn't fail. You'll still be disappointed, and that's that's not fun, right? I, I, I do agree. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. The reason I ask is because I also got accepted to UTMB, and I have till 2023 to go. But now I'm thinking, should I do Fat Dog first just to get an idea? You do get a pretty good idea, I think. The main difference there is, well, Fat Dog has the, the regular course, the last... There's a long stretch along the river trail, which is always, it's never flat, obviously, but it's never more than like a gentle grade, right? It's a, it's a riverside trail. Um, so that adds up to the distance. But in terms of elevation gain and, and uh, change in general, I think they might be comparable. What I realized that at UTMB is um, the trails are very runnable. And they invite you to run, which mm. is r- really hard not to, especially <laughs> at the beginning. But they're also somewhat steeper than a fed dog. Mm. Um, so the footing is easy in both races, or relatively easy, I shouldn't say easy. But um, 
compared to other races, and especially on the North Shore here, and and uh, or even Squamish, for example, like extremely technical race compared right. to, to those two. Right. But uh, UTMB, like every single climb, is steep. Like including the first little bump when you look at the elevation profile, <laughs> like okay, well that's a nice warm up. And I do remember showing up at the, in the tents at, at the A station on top of the hill. I was like, whoa, if this is like the, the shortest climb of the day, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. But, uh, <laughs> that, you know, it's one step at a time, really. Right. So that brings us to 2019? 2019, yeah. Um, 2019 was, a, was an odd year. Um, so UTMB also left me very fatigued, um, not, not just physically, but mentally as well. Mm-hmm. I was registered for uh, UT Max, uh, Ultra Trail of Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, 100K, 100 miler, uh, in October, so a couple of months later, uh, with a bunch of friends from LA. We had a wonderful trip, but I had decided already that I wasn't going to race. I had the option to either step down to 50k or even just the, the shorter distances but decided that wasn't the right thing to do right and and i did realize i needed some time to kind of like regroup and, and start from scratch again but in the end i needed to qualify for western state and that was the that was the driver really to um to have me sign up for uh Havelina instead again last weekend to qualify and uh, <laughs> relatively Easy in terms of course, uh, easy footing, uh, runnable trails. I'm like, well, I'll run as much as I can. And, uh, if things go south, well, I'll figure it out. Uh, they sure did. I expected <laughs> them to, to somewhat go wrong. But yeah, I walked in the last loop with my friend Kim, who I paced the same year at Western States. She returned the favor, flying down to Arizona. And, uh, uh, she, <laughs> she, I, I, I didn't. I was barely jogging at all for the last 20 miles, but um, even, uh, but yeah, she she was with me uh, in costume. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, no good memories again. Uh, my friend Lindsay was there too. We were camping. Not necessarily the result I would have liked, but I really like. I come to realize that that's not a priority anymore. But rather, you know, enjoy myself. And, and soak in the experience more than anything else. So we were there in 2019. I did my oh, first no. 100k that year at Havelina. That's amazing. Yeah. No, you might have, beautiful. you might have seen it our was... crew tent because we had, I think there was 10 of us. Um, most, most people running. Norm paced me, but there were 10 Canadians from Ontario. And we had a big Canada flag and we were right along the. I do remember that. Yeah, that was I us. Exactly <laughs> the campground where you guys were located. Now that you mentioned, yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was with a couple of other Canadians. There was a, a friend, Ryan Shepherd, from from here from the Fraser Valley near Vancouver. He did really well that year. I was extremely impressed. He's a very accomplished runner. Um, yeah, I do remember you guys. <laughs> yeah, such a great experience. I I would advocate for anyone to try that race because they really do such a great job isn't it fun <sighs> so fun that's why it's like you know results become secondary really it was just fun to be out there to me it's like yeah i'm 
you know, I'm I'm doing all right. I I did all right for 100k, and then the last two loops, I was just not having it. But it was still fun. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it was funny because I did Havelina back in 2015, and I remember when we went back in 2019. I was like, this is not the same race. <laughs> When I did 2015, all I had for the finish line was two pieces of stick that I had to cross. <laughs> and now, very different race. And now they have this Hoka tent <laughs> with lights and, and dancing jubilee and everything. <laughs> yeah. I go, this is not the experience that I had. It's such a huge party. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. <laughs> in the beginning of Havelina, you were able to uh, run with Casey Lichtai in the beginning, in the first loop? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was so much fun with Casey. And, and uh, Camelia Mayfield, uh, we were running together, chatting and singing, and uh, we were all having a grand time <laughs> until, until until the ladies decided to turn off the heat and, and started racing with presses to witness. Like, they're so strong. It's incredible. Uh, yeah, when they decided it was time to race, game <laughs> on. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was awesome. That's amazing. Where were you when you uh, found out about Western? Was home. Uh, we were hosting brunch with family and friends. It, it become a, a kind of a tradition, really, <laughs> on, on lottery day to have people over and you know stream the lottery on the TV in the background. And uh, sure enough. We were having issues with the buzzer, so my my well now my fiance, uh, she had to go down the stairs and let some people in, and sure enough, that was the one moment my name was called, and I was all alone in, in the apartment. But no, that, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, oh no. So I, you know, a bunch of friends came upstairs, and I'm like, so any news? I was like, yeah, yeah, you guys missed it. <laughs> But you could just rewind on the on the Facebook page. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, yeah. yeah. I saw. I saw your Instagram post. It sounds like you had a friend there that was cheering for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my friend Chris. And uh, interesting story. He's also one of the athletes that I'm following that I'm coaching. Uh, he's he's a great guy, and <laughs> I did hear him yelling before I heard my name. I didn't know it was him, but I oh. heard someone yelling at the camera. It's like, what's going on? And then I hear my name being called. So that's, uh, yeah. I think the <laughs> same thing happened to you. You also missed my name. Remember? You're in the back of the story. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I did. She, she also missed my name because yeah. I actually went to the lottery live because I had a feeling after six years, it's got to be, right? I was working at our store. Uh, you know, you're you're watching it and you're watching it and you're getting more defeated. And you're like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then I think I had to go sell a pair of shoes and I missed it. <laughs> and, that, and I was, this is where I was able to go on stage and the whole audience was applauding and everything else. So I had a, a bit of a production <laughs> and she missed the whole thing. <laughs> what can you do? Well, yeah. Thank goodness for the internet when you can <laughs> go back and rewatch. Right? That's right. So now, um, Western States is not going to happen, or are you? You're going to choose to defer again for 2022. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, I already did. Yeah, for a number of reasons. Uh, and first and foremost, safety. It's just 
I, you know, I may be able to make it happen. It's possible to travel down, but then come back and having to self-quarantine in a hotel at your, you know, it's an extra cost and I can't really afford to with work and such. Uh, you know, it's great that they gave us the option to the fair to 2022 and that would have been my, my preferred option. So yeah, that was an easy decision. Yeah. They handled that very well. We're very uh, grateful that Craig, um, Gave the option for the international. I think it was very helpful. It was the right call. It was, it was the right, right thing to do. Yeah. It's going to feel weird that the fact that it's still going to go on with, yeah. without us. That's going to be feel weird. <laughs> it's uh, you know, we, we've seen that with other races too. Part of the uh, World Tour, UCWT, yeah. uh, even like for example, like I was lucky enough, and again, I consider myself privileged. I I had signed up for. Th- and I was able to travel to New Zealand, race, come back, and then everything went south as soon as I came back. You know, even Terawera this year was only for Kiwis, not mm-hmm. even the Aussies could travel there. So it's it's the right thing to do. Keep it local in a way, uh, avoid unnecessary, well, avoid enticing people in unnecessary traveling. I yeah. do think it's the right thing to do. You know, if they give you the option, then you won't have you have you have the possibility to run again next year, and what's the year really? It's um, whereas instead, if well, I don't know, had I not had the option, I may have considered, but I was already on the fence regardless. So easiest right. decision. When you uh, get to Western next year, are you going to try to stay with Casey again, or is that going to be a different uh, strategy? Well, I'll have to message her. She's been dealing with with some injuries as well. So, um, yeah, she's, she's a bit sidelined as well, but uh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> why not? At least for the first half. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and she's, she's the most graceful and, and, and nice. She's the nicest, really, human being. So, um, yeah, great experience for sure. Well, put a plug in for us. We're going to try to get on, the, on our podcast. Put a plug in. <laughs> We should also mention that you are a running coach. Can you tell us when you started to do that and how it's going for you? Well, I've been coaching friends and family for quite a few years. And then last year, well, I was approached before by a good friend uh, who used to live in Seattle. Um, started his coaching business. And I was like, I do think you have the, the scientific approach that we like to use and uh, you have experience. Uh, why don't you join us? And I was, I was a bit hesitant at the beginning. And then we, we met again, uh, at Tarawera in New Zealand, uh, in February 2020. Uh, he was racing 100 miler, around 100k. And, uh, we, so the, the topic came up again and, uh, decided to team up. I joined, uh, his, uh, his, uh, coaching platform. It's called Team Run Run. And, and uh, I have previous success. I, I, I take enormous pride in, in, my my athlete result uh and there are some great guys that i've been following um even just setting some hefty goals uh fires me up when when one of the runners or one of the athletes that i'm helping you know comes to me and say hey i had this idea how do we how how can we get there right. uh you know problem solving and and helping others it's really something i'm passionate about so i'd say it's going really well and and uh and again i'm I'm the happiest whenever a runner uh, accomplishes whatever goal they have. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a great experience too. Yeah, cool. very good. 
Well, thank you very much for your time today. It was really great getting to know you better. And we're excited to be doing this because in 2022, which gives us more time now, we'll hopefully meet all of the Canadians that are going to be at Western States. And we can have our own little gathering and our own little party beforehand. And I think it would make it that much more special because you'll see each other on the course and it'll be awesome. And you'll have more crew, right? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I we have our little uh, rapid fire questions for you. Well, before that, where can we anyone find oh, you yeah, for sorry. your coaching? Uh, yeah, you you can look me up on teamrunruns.com. That's the name of the coaching platform. Uh, well, my name is Ricardo Tortini, and or just shoot me a message. Social media. I'm the only Ricardo Tortini in the world. So uh, <laughs> two C's. People still make that mistake, but yes, it's the Italian version of the name. Yeah, just shoot me a message, we can chat, or even, you know, talking about races and uh, anything really running-related, more than happy to connect with anyone. Well, we'll put that up on our um, the video recording as well as your Instagram uh, yeah. handle as well, so people can find you and reach out. All right. Sounds good. Do you have a tattoo or tattoos? I don't. No tattoos. Nothing. Okay. Uh, another sport you'd like to excel in? Uh, it'd be easy to say cycling, hmm. but I'd go with uh, cross-country skiing instead. Okay. It's the most humbling <laughs> sporting event ever. I've, uh, I've skied a couple of, well, a few uh, ski marathons, 50K and such. And every single time, I was so humbled by the experience. This one's going to be easy. It's kind of unfair, actually, to even ask you. Roma or Milano? <laughs> well, do you want the short answer? Or I can I can talk about this all day. Um, I, I see Milano, uh, especially because I've seen City improve a lot in recent years. It's worth a weekend. If you have a whole week, go to Rome. If you have a weekend, don't even go to Rome. Go to Milan, enjoy the place. Enjoy the, the area and the place. Norm did scenic trail a couple years ago, so we spent some time in Milan, and it was lovely. Really, really enjoyed it. It's a very European city. It's not necessarily what you would expect uh, from an Italian city. Right. But, of course, I mean, it's influenced by by history and the, and, and the culture as well. Uh, but it's probably the most European city you can find in Italy. Yeah, for sure. Favorite running song? Oh, uh, what do you turn on when you need to get into another gear? There are so many. I have, I have a number of different playlists that I listen mm-hmm. to depending on the mood. However, there are the, the, those sporadic days where I feel like I need to get a little bit pumped up. Um, what I, I, I listen to a lot of, of electronic, uh, like minimal, like deep house type of things. And that, right. that pumps me up, especially at night. I listen to music during races. Ah, oh, very good. Okay. If I had to pick, well, when I'm alone, then I put my headphones on. Yeah, I do. Uh, if I had to pick one song, it would be the, Oh, there are just too many. Don't let, <laughs> don't don't have me do it. If you have a playlist on Spotify, we'll. I, uh... I can share one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, favorite junk food. 
It's uh, no doubt. That's not junk food. That's well, a whole it, food well, group. It depends on the. It depends on the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me be more specific. Domino's pizza. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? It would be to probably transport myself anywhere in the world at any time. Especially right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was thinking. Like the one thing I miss the most is to be able to to go back and see my family. It's been uh, over two years now, and uh, yeah. who knows when it's gonna happen. We had some big plans for last year. Mm. Both my parents were gonna run Boston, and I was oh. going to meet them and, and be my dad's guide. Uh, he's uh, he's a blind runner, and uh, oh. uh, so runs the guide. Uh, we've run marathons together before. That was the plan for 2020. Didn't happen. They were planning to come see me at Western State. Didn't happen. Um, so yeah, that's the one thing that is the most. For sure. Okay, so, last one. Yeah. Uh, gelato or cannoli? I have to go with gelato. Although, uh, cannoli is, I love cannoli. Cannoli is, is a Sicilian, uh, type of dessert. And, and we as a family, we all both, well, we both my parents, myself and my brother, uh, we all love Sicily. Um, in fact, my brother got married in Sicily. Wow. So even though we're not from there, um, right. and I may have had quite a few too many cannoli <laughs> on that weekend, but, uh, on a, on a day to day basis, gelato. Gelato. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you so much. It was great to meet you. And, uh, thank you guys for having me. It was, it was great to chat with you. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Thanks again, guys. Enjoy okay. your, well, afternoon now. Yeah. <laughs> Take care. Yeah. Ciao. <laughs> Thanks again. We'll be in touch. Okay. Sounds Thanks. good. Bye-bye. Bye. Molto bene, Ricardo. <laughs> Gelate. Gelato. <laughs> oh, Norm. So that's the story of Ricardo Tartini. Wow. Pretty interesting. I like how even with all his ticket races he threw in a utmb hey why not eh that's right <laughs> sounds like he had quite the experience too yeah and then and i'm sure we crossed paths with him with him at javelina yes, we had to have literally of course but it didn't go too well for him but <laughs> no i think the heat is his uh his nemesis his nemesis yeah but he was able to stay with the top females for a while that's right <laughs> And then they decided to race. <laughs> Those are his words, not ours. Yeah. And uh, we hope, we wish him well with his injury and that he'll be strong for Western next year. Yes, where right? we'll, that's where we'll finally get to see him. Yeah, can't wait to meet all these fellow Canadians. All right. Okay. Arrivederci. <laughs> Ooh, that was quite the marathon. Thanks for listening to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Please visit us at gotterunracing.com for more information on our events or simply drop us an email at gotterunracing at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel to stream the video version of this episode. Oh, and if you like my voice, check me out at tylerherchuk.ca. T-Y-L-E-R-H-Y-R-C-H-U-K. Gotta run!